Howdy, everyone. Welcome to Kofefi Break on Unsafe Space. Today is Monday, March 1st. We're into March already. And I'm Carter, as you all know. And I'm joined by Carrie. Hi, Carter. Good morning. Good morning, Carrie. Uh, I can't believe it's March already. I am. Uh, mm -hmm. I know it happens when you get old, when time flies, and they say that, and, you know, it seems like 10 years ago or yesterday, but I can't believe we're in March already. Happy Irish month. It's Irish month. Yeah, Lydia, uh, Lydia from Temple show reminded me it's Irish month. I heard so, it was Women's History Month. Oh yeah, that too. But so. more exciting, it's Irish month. There. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if you have any women in your life that you need to make history, do it now. This is the month, um, <laughs> <laughs> guys. You know what I'm saying. Uh, all right. I guess we should do some quick housekeeping. Uh, you can follow us on YouTube where you're watching this, although you might be watching on Facebook. Um, please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. YouTube does like to unsubscribe you because Susan doesn't like us. So make sure you're subscribed if you think you were in the past. Um, you can support the show by going to unsafespace.com where you can donate or you can buy things like this. Our... Uh, 15 days to slow the spread shirt because we're almost there, everyone. It's almost, I know it seems like it's been a year, but mm -hmm. we're, it's just not quite 15 days yet. You just can't count. Two plus two equals it's still 15 days. Yeah. So just 15 more days, guys. Just that's 15 right. more. It's just 15 more. Like another year. Yeah. Yeah. A year, I mean, if you think about it, a lifetime is really composed of 15-day increments. And that's how I like to think about hmm. my life. <laughs> um, if it is your first time here, this is a live show. We do it on Safe Space on Mondays and Fridays. We also have interviews that we release throughout the week sometimes. We have a show called Deprogrammed, which is more of a deep dive into my old belief system, social justice ideology. Um, we also do... We have a new series hosted by Comics Division, which is about the Great Reset. You can check that one out. And uh, we have some other exciting things in the works. We do a book club as well. We've been doing that for quite a while. It's free to join and participate. And we are currently reading The Fourth Turning. We alternate between fiction and nonfiction. So this month we're doing nonfiction. There's the book. There it is. By William Strauss and Neil Howe. And you have time to join us, if you want to get a copy of that book and you don't have it, you can go to unsafespace.com to the book club page, and there's a link there to buy it from our affiliate store if you want to do that, or you can get it anywhere, presumably, that you get books. And anywhere books are sold. Anywhere books are sold. <laughs> um, and then what else do we have? I think that's all we have to announce right now. Yeah, Beverly likes, to, likes us to promote the Clips channel. If you want short clips to share with people and you don't want to share a three hour long episode where we rant at each other, um, there is a clips channel. I think it's called Unsafe Space Clips, creatively enough. And uh, you can find that on YouTube as well. We also don't, um, I know some people were complaining. One person in particular is complaining about our technical difficulties last time and said they're going to right. stop watching us. That's okay. I understand. But if you would like to see stuff without tech difficulties, you can go to the clips channel. <laughs> we don't you can typically watch non live shows. Non live shows are totally fine. Yeah, we don't typically have uh, 
we don't choose to clip our tech problems and put them out on the clips channel. <laughs> yeah, we're smart <laughs> enough to edit those out. So yeah. there you go. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'll Fight You Naked, by the way, would like to point out to all of us that it was a typo. They meant 15 months to slow the spread, Carrie. So I'm sure as soon as 15 mm. months are up, we'll be fine. No, um, I don't think so. Now, Fauci <laughs> keeps pushing it out, right? Have you heard him? Just like he, he changes, yeah. he's changed everything you said since the beginning. He's always contradicting himself. But now, he, and now he's saying, he was saying the fall, and now he's saying next year. And I mean, the truth is they don't want things to get back to normal. So the only way this is going to stop is when we all collectively say it stops. And there are time it yeah. will be back to normal at some point in the future. Trust us. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it's just like any government program. It'll work eventually. We just haven't done enough of it yet. Don't have enough faith yet. <laughs> right. Yeah. We've been we've been fighting the war on drugs for a few decades now. And we've filled our jails with people and drug problems have gotten worse. But it's just because we haven't done it enough, Carrie. If we just do it more, stick it out. 15 days to solve the war on drugs. It's all it's going to take. It's another 15 days. It'll be fine. Right. Me. Just yeah. let the government keep keep spending our money and keep intervening. And I'm sure if we have enough faith in the God of the government, that it will, things will get better. Mm -hmm. That's sarcasm. You know how um, I'm not a fan of using, well, we've talked about this a lot on the show. You know that I don't like when people use sarcasm lazily or when they overuse it. I think, I think sarcasm is best used when it's the most appropriate tool in the, in the toolbox and when it's very cutting and I think a lot of people just use it kind of as a crutch, just use it in a lazy way. And um, however, in this I like new... it, though. You can call me lazy all you want, but I like sarcasm, but that's okay. Is Was that sarcasm? No, I'm kidding. No, no, I, <laughs> okay. no it wasn't. <laughs> I, uh, I think, though, in this new, what would you say, with this new chapter that we're in, I think mm. I'm going to have to use it a little bit more than I used to because... It, things are so absurd now with the difference in the way that the legacy media is treating the Biden administration versus the Trump administration. And because there's so much censorship now and the um, big social is, is, is censoring people um, it, to a larger degree than they've done even in the past five, four or five years. So now it's at a point where I think sarcasm, I'm going to have to use it more because that's one way to say things and stay online is to say like, you know, Wow, you know, it's so interesting. Here's a, here's an example. It's so great that Joe Biden is now putting children in shelters and temporary mig overflow migrant facilities rather than putting kids in cages. That's awesome that he's using shelters and overflow migrant facilities. It is you know, I, that's I know a good that use you, of it, right? Yeah, I know that you characterize sarcasm as lazy, and I think you're right in in many cases. I also think sometimes sarcasm stems from uh, just fatigue. Like if you've if fatigue of speaking into an echo or not an echo, like speaking into a cavern or beating your head against the wall. Like a lot of people just turn to sarcasm because. They've been look. They've been doing. They've been saying the same thing for decades, and it's just tiresome. And they're like, "All right, yeah, 
All right, NPC. Sarcasm is just a way for them to just, like, they can't deal anymore. They've said the same thing over and over. I was here listening to a guy, uh, a survivor of Waco, and he was like, I'm tired. Like, it's been 25 years. Finally, someone made a freaking – this is, like, after the miniseries came out, right? They're like, finally, someone made a miniseries where they're like, well, maybe everything was in what we were told. It's like, I'm, no wonder the guy's tired. He's been like, he was through an ordeal. He's been for 25 years telling people that, like, there was a problem and, like, no one listened. He's like, I expect him to just kind of be sarcastic at this point. It's just, it's mm -hmm. kind of a, it's kind of just an admission of, I'm tired. <laughs> I think yeah. that's how I view it. It's like, I'm tired. I'm just tired. I'm just going to mock it because. I'm tired of saying, explaining why 2 plus 2 is 4. Eventually, I'm just going to be like, you're right, 2 plus 2 is 5. I'm done explaining. Like, you know, I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. So, so. all right. 2 plus 2, by the way, for the record, is not 5. Oh, uh, that, we're really close to a, a, an age where we're, we would get yanked off YouTube for saying that. <laughs> right. The AI is going to detect that. Is there white heteronormative cisgendered math in this? <laughs> I.e. Yeah. math, uh, yes. like those those lists that they have and that have leaked before that Facebook has, where they say these these if if a user they program their algorithms to say if people are talking about certain phrases, then they're probably harmful white supremacists who need to be blocked. And some <laughs> of the the phrases they have on that list, one is SJW. Just if you criticize, if you say SJW, that they're going to be looking at you. Another is Overton window because people start. That one amazes me still. Yeah, because people correctly started talking about the Overton window shifting. Um, they just have like some really interesting phrases on there. They're pretty soon they're going to add if somebody's talking about how two plus two equals four, you better the AI better pay attention to their account because they're probably That's a harmful right. Nazi. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it basically any tool that's mildly successful is flagged as wrong think. Yeah. Oh, wait, you have a concept called the Overton window that can explain what's been going on for the past few decades. Banned. Banned. Done. <laughs> How dare you now. use that tool? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, Azor so, has a super chat. We we should stay before we start. Uh, okay. Cuomo says, "Cuomo, believe all what? One got out. Crap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's always projection, isn't it? With these guys, we'll get into Cuomo. Uh, <laughs> this is the second time we've had him on our <clears throat> title card. The first time we just didn't bother to talk about him because oh, we forgot. We got busy. Forgot. We'll talk about him a little bit. Don't worry. Do you remember that really disgusting?" puff piece in the media that we read months and months ago during the the beginning of the lockdowns when that SJW was talking about Cuomo being her imaginary boyfriend and how it made her. Oh, yes. Yes. I yeah, should have pulled that one up. I oh. do have up here his Emmy nomination. <laughs> it's Emmy uh, award, not nomination. Um, but yeah, I should have pulled up that one. That's a good one. That's Gross. Good. Okay. So I wait, know we... we yeah, go I know ahead. We're gonna Do you have a about... thing you want to start with? Go ahead. Yes. Can we talk right. about something that's very near and dear to my heart? And uh... <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. Okay. <laughs> Dolly Parton oh. is now being targeted by the woke. And as long as we've been doing this show the past two and a half years or so, you know, there've been several times where you might've said that you think, well, the woke have gone too far. They've gone too far. But for me, <laughs> 
this is a definite line in the sand. Like you are going after <laughs> they Dolly. Your sacred cow slash. <laughs> You're going after Country Dolly sacred. Parton. Are you? Are you kidding me, Dolly Parton? Who and I, I sent you a piece I want to look at while you're pulling it up. Well, in I'm fairness, wondering. she's white. Uh, she was attractive, successful, rich, and country music is has there has to be something wrong with country. I'm not sure what. <sighs> okay, so I have a lot of thoughts about this, and right, I'll pull up um, so the first half of the piece this is a Vox article, of course. <laughs> oh well, so it must be. I'm sure there's nothing wrong with it if it's a Vox article. Why are we questioning a Vox article? Okay. Do you want to be um, on screen or not, Carrie? Do you, I can no, I can you make can it... you can take me off. All right. Um, so there's a couple of uh, pull quotes from here that I want to just highlight because it takes them a while to get into tearing her down. First, they have to build her up and and tell you how and why everyone loves her, and then they have to tear her down. And so uh, here's a couple of the quotes we're going to get to. Uh, they eventually say, "quote." But there's a dark side to Dolly's ability to appeal to everyone at all times. And then they also say, quote, the idea of whiteness underlies Dolly's image. Okay. Uh, um, well, it does. A dark side to Dolly's ability. Yeah. So so they, they correctly start off by talking about how she's beloved by most everyone. And... And they go into some of those reasons why she's an amazing philanthropist. This woman has donated millions and done a lot of um, charity shows to raise millions for medical centers, um, especially uh, there's one in Tennessee that she's been, you know, helped to help to fund entire wings of this hospital. And she does things like, um, well, she's one of the people who put a lot of money into the COVID vaccine. And then when one was developed, she, chose not to get it. She, did, she didn't jump in line. She waited her turn, even though she's in an age group where, you know, she's more susceptible to it. Um, she does things like show up at nursing homes and do surprise performances. I mean, she has a children's literacy program that she's been doing since the eighties, where they give a free book a month to children until they hit kindergarten, like from the moment they're born until they hit kindergarten, you can sign up to get books for your kids. Um, and she's she's also uh, this is why this is why they hate her, but this is why she's beloved. She doesn't make a big deal about her pol her political beliefs, and in fact, she puts you you can put me back on screen, and then let's go to the article. Okay, because um, I just I have a couple of things I want to say about her, and then I want to read some of this. She puts music. Imagine this: she puts music and entertaining people as a higher priority than telling you who you should vote for. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine. And, and she, uh, if you go to a Dolly concert, I mean, you're going to be there. There's drag Queens, there's gay couples, there's conservative Christian evangelicals, and they're all rubbing shoulders and nobody cares. And it's this, you, you know, unifying event. She is, Someone who I said this a few weeks ago. That's and a reason to make her a target, by the way. Yes, that is a reason to make her a target because she brings people together. And what are they about? They're about div divisiveness, dividing people, um, getting us to hate one another. And so they hate her because everyone loves her. That's why they hate her. And she has political opinions and she has 
expressed things here and there and dropped hints. A lot of people think she probably voted for Clinton, you know, but she didn't, she doesn't come out and tell you who she's voting for or that you need to vote for this person. And famously um, at one of these ridiculous uh, award shows a couple years ago, she was on stage in between her nine to five co-stars, Lily Tomlin and uh, Jane Fonda. And they went out of their way to make their banter about Trump at an award show. They made, you know, but we're so used to this now. We think it's normal. It's not normal. They made their banter about Trump and they called him an egotistical, narcissist, sexist, sociopathic. You know, they just, they went on and on about Trump. And she noticeably stepped back from the microphone physically with her body language, removed herself from what they were saying and did not include herself. And then when she had time to say something, she, uh, she made, she tried to pretend like what they were talking. She tried to focus on what they were saying and make it about the boss figure in nine to five, you know, and called out that actor. And, um, and then she made some boob jokes and, you know, she did what she does and she just kind of was herself. And in interviews about that, after the fact, she said something to the effect of, you know, uh, I am my own person. I have my own thoughts and I share a lot of opinions in common with with Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda, they probably have share more in common than, than I do with them, but I don't share all of their opinions. I'm my own person. And I did, I stepped back from the microphone cause I didn't want it to be, I didn't want people to think they were speaking for me. Imagine that. Mm. <laughs> Imagine mm. having your own thoughts and opinions and, and well, I'm pretty the, sure that's cancelable just right there, right there. Yeah. So, <laughs> So this article is basically taking issue with the fact that she has not pledged her allegiance to social justice. She's not had the conversion moment to the cult that they would like to see of all public figures. She's not walked down the aisle at the social justice church and accepted social justice Jesus into her heart. She hasn't gotten down on her knees and confessed her sin of white privilege. You know, she hasn't asked for forgiveness and and done penance and done the work and she doesn't speak the cult language. Now she's, she's made um, concessions to them. And they mentioned this in the article. She uh, they, they came after her Dixie stampede, which uh, I think is ridiculous. It's it, they came after, have you ever been to medieval what, times? What is her Dixie stampede? I don't know what that is. Oh, Carter, I knew you wouldn't know. Okay. This is, you have to go next time you're in Tennessee. Um, although they, sure. although she's changed I'm always it in now. Tennessee. Next time I'm there, I'll stop by the Dolly Parton's Dixon stampede. Dixie. <laughs> oh, Dixie. Sorry. Whatever. So, so you know what medi medieval times is? Where are I you? I know about the medieval times historically. What are you talking about? Can you come back? Is on it a bar? Too? I don't like not being able to look at you when I talk to you. No. Well, I, you know, Hey, I, it's a pain to move stuff okay. around. So I, yeah. you wanted the article up. I put the article. Up. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. So, you're the director here. In I'm this, directing in this, this in this segment. <laughs> so don't, don't blame me. You told me you wanted the article. The article. Okay, here you are. So medieval times is not, you're not referring to actual medieval times. You're referring to something else. Oh, you don't know what medieval times is either. Okay, it's like a dinner show, and you pay, and you go, and they have a theme, and they have entertainment oh, like a dinner happening. theater kind of thing. Where yes, you're like, okay. but it, you're in a big arena. It's a big stadium, 
And so Dixie Stampede, I won't even use Medieval Times as a reference since you don't know what that is either. So Dixie Stampede was basically you you pay for tickets to dinner and a show. When I, it, it's like you're, uh, you're a ki- when you're a kid, you go, you remember like the, um, she used to do things like give you sweet tea in a, in a mason jar. You're drinking in sweet tea in a mason jar and you're having Southern fried food. And the show at Dixie Stampede is about the Civil War, or it used to be. And so based on what side of the stadium you're sitting on, there's the right and the, the not the right and the left, there's the north and the south. And oh, I see. Okay. In, this, in the arena, you have people on horseback doing different competitions and races and things. And the whole show is, um, is it's basically, we're redoing the Civil War. We're redoing the north versus the south. And you're cheering for your side. And it's just like a silly kind of, way to you know so medieval it's, it's times like an interactive a more immersive uh civil war reenactment that's fine. right and okay. at, at medieval times i haven't been to medieval times but from what i understand it's similar there's like one side versus the other side and you're watching people joust and whatever and you're cheering for your side and you're eating i don't know what you're eating at medieval times but something medieval and <laughs> so so anyway <laughs> they took issue Rats. with this <laughs> <laughs> yes so anyway they took issue with with that it was loosely based on the civil war and there's a north and south thing and so um they and the word dixie they took issue with and so they came out against her last year the year before there were some pieces written and she felt the need to apologize and she said you know i I didn't know it was offensive and i didn't mean to offend anyone and so we're going to change the name to dolly parton stampede we're gonna get rid of Dixie and it's still gonna like loosely be North and South, but we're gonna change the stuff that's happening in the arena. And we're changing the bathroom's going to be changed to cowboy decor. And we're going to do other things that make it less about the civil war. And so she did that and that wasn't enough. They're still upset. Really? That wasn't yeah. <laughs> Well, hmm. imagine that they don't accept the apology. Yeah. Hmm. I don't understand. I just, yeah. Okay. Right. So, uh, so now let's pull up the article because I want to get to the meat of. Okay, but before stuff. we do, Azor would like to mention that no one attacks Dolly's enormous heart. Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Azor. Uh, all right, we'll we'll do the article now. Let's see. Article's back up. Okay. So, the first half of it, they're talking about why everyone loves Dolly. And they're setting her up as some kind of uh, secular pop culture, country pop culture saint. Right? The title is How Dolly Parton Became a Secular American Saint. Right. Why Everyone Loves Dolly Now. Okay. Sounds pretty positive. Sounds pretty positive at first. Okay. Then when you uh, scroll down, let's see which part I want you to look at. Uh, <clears throat> this is a really long article, too. That's the other thing about it. Um. Okay, so they this is this part. I don't know if you can see where it says in the, and they bolded it. I don't want to offend anybody. This is a business. Uh, all right, let's see. Why don't I just do that? I'll just search. There you go. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to offend anybody. This is a business. Okay. So right above that, I'm going to start reading here. It says, it says, but America in the 21st century is no time for a secular pop saint. 
And there's oh, she's a great pop saint, but this is no time for a great pop saint. Oh, yeah, yeah, you have to you pick it. Right. You have to pick a side, Dolly. You have to. You have to be one of us. One of these fundamentalist, puritanical authoritarians. You you have to pick a side. Uh, it says, um, and there's a dark side to Dolly's ability to appeal Christ-like to all people at all times. See, they have a problem with Christ too. You know why? Because Christ appeals to all people at all times. And I mean, you may, he may not appeal to you personally, but the point is Christ isn't, Christ isn't saying I'm not for you. Right. Christ doesn't make you, he's not like you, you can't be a Christian, you know? Um, (laughs) And so they have a problem with her because they also, and they have a problem with Christ. So anyway, uh, the first suggestion of a Trump era backlash to Dolly Parton came in 2017. Okay. So here they're going to go through what I was talking about. Um, with the tale of the attraction that was then called Dolly Parton's Dixie Stampede, uh, advertised as an extraordinary dinner show pitting the North against the South and a friendly and fun rivalry, Dolly Parton's Dixie Stampede is the lost cause of the Confederacy meets Cirque du Soleil, wrote By the Aisha way, did Harris. You, is this link removed? They said link removed. Is that because they don't want to link to? I don't they know. They don't want to link to it? Okay. I don't know. And then, so this is this is that hit piece I was talking about that came out a couple years ago that started the whole, the first time they attacked her. Um, Aisha mm-hmm. Harris wrote an article for Slate where she said that Dixie Stampede is, quote, a lily white kitsch extravaganza that play acts the Civil War, but never once mentioned slavery. Right, because at dinner, at a dinner show, you want to make it something where people are slavery. crying and, and you have to, yeah, like what? Okay. <laughs> Um, they never mentioned the bubonic plague at the at the Middle at the, Ages, right? <laughs> Dinner they, theater. How they dare. didn't once mention bubonic plague. Okay, um, so they have a uh, uh, so they go on and they criticize what they didn't like about the Dixie Stampede, Stampede, and then they talk about how she changed it, and it says they you know retitled it to Dolly's Parton Stampede, uh, but it continues to market itself as a rivalry between the North and South. So they're mad. They're still mad, but it no longer includes references to the civil war and it's antebellum antebellum nostalgia has been transformed into gilded age nostalgia. Um, and then they say, uh, okay, so Parton, this is what she said of it back then. She said, there's such a thing as innocent ignorance. And so many of us are guilty of that. When they said Dixie was an offensive word, I thought, well, I don't want to offend anybody. This is a business. We'll just call it the stampede. As soon as you realize that something is a problem, you should fix it. Don't be a dumbass. That's where my heart is. I would never dream of hurting anybody on purpose. Poor. And I like how you you wafted into a slight <laughs> accent with that quote. Oh, did I? Well, yeah. Dolly, you know, she's speaking from her heart. I mean, uh, poor that's Dolly. That's where my heart is, darling. That's where my heart is. I can't do well, it. She... <laughs> she's so innocent and naive here thinking this would work. Right. (laughs) Um, So then they say, now listen to this. They say Parton was speaking to Billboard in July 2020 as the country was engulfed in protests following the police shooting of George Floyd. The interviewer asked her what she thought of the movement. And she said, quote, I understand people having to make themselves known and felt and seen. And of course, Black Lives Matter. Do we think, excuse me, do we think our little white asses are the only ones that matter? No. Okay. so now. They don't like her answer, of course. They say this say, that's kind a pretty kiss the ring answer. I mean, that's you know, it's not enough for them. It's right. not enough I, for I them. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they say this kind of deft political 
quasi answer is the sort of move that Parton's been pulling her entire career. She expresses empathy rather than solidarity. <laughs> How dare she express empathy? Wait, and not... she she's empathetic, but she doesn't agree with the political agenda. That's the problem. She they are upset because she's empathetic first and second because she's not just a mindless zombie who's going to express solidarity solidarity with their opinions solidarity sorry she's not she's not expressing solidarity with what we believe she's not reflecting back to us what we believe she's not telling us to believe what we already believe <laughs> <laughs> right yeah um, no I, yeah and they explain it she understands why people have to make themselves known even if she's not showing up at a protest herself Oh, so she didn't show up at protest. That's the problem. And she affirms that she loves everybody. And since she loves everybody, of course their lives matter. I, this is hilarious to me because the person who's writing this is such a bitter person that they're writing the sentence going, they'll see how evil she is when I write this. And a normal person reads this and it's like, oh, she loves everybody. So of course their lives matter. Good for her. <laughs> she's yeah. She's a good person. <laughs> yeah. They, they find it, they have such a problem with this. So then they say, when Parton happens to offend, as she did with the Dixie Stampede, it's an accident. It's an accident. They, like, they don't like the fact, because they don't believe that intent matters. They don't believe that an accident matters. If they perceive it as racist and they perceive everything as racist, then it's horribly offensive. And you don't get to say that you didn't mean to offend like she did, right? It says, and when she- I mean, she it's offensive provided that they're taking offense- allows them per to per, you know promote their political agenda and as long as that that's the, the literally the only qualification is if me being offended will make will further my political agenda then i'm offended and it's offensive the end. right it doesn't matter it says and when she rebranded the stampede she presented it both as a decision in keeping with good Southern manners. She doesn't want to offend oh my god you mean she presented it in such a way that everybody could have could be okay with her answer, even if they disagreed with her. Wow. <laughs> That's awful. Right. Uh, <laughs> and a practical business decision that no one should take personally, her actual thoughts on the antebellum, antebellum nostalgia in which the original attraction trafficked, she kept to herself. Then they quote, then they quote this, they quote her saying, I've got as many Republican friends as I've got Democrat friends. And I just don't like voicing my opinion on things. And, and so they don't like that. <laughs> they don't like that she has friends who are both Republican and Democrat. How dare you, Dolly? <laughs> and then she you? cites the Dixie Chicks as an example of how it goes wrong. And just to remind people, the Dixie Chicks were like they spoke out with a leftist agenda. Like they were they were not on the right and spoke out. They spoke out on the left and had their career ruined. So she's she's actually comparing herself to someone on the left who doesn't want to say anything. Right. That's that's also why they're so mad because you you must understand that they view her as a social justice warrior looks at Dolly Parton and they're like they view her as a milk toast liberal, um, and and I use the word liberal meaning uh, like they don't the social justice warriors don't like liberals they they don't like they, they because they are authoritarians and fundamentalists. They're cultists. They need you to be, it's, you can't, liberals are open-minded. Liberals are friends with conservatives, Republicans, Democrats, whoever. Liberals are for free expression and, and liberals don't try to force their views on you. But social justice warriors are like, 
religious fundamentalists. They try to, you can only believe in their orthodoxy. Otherwise you're a bad person. You know, they hate the fact that she won't go on the record and say who she voted for or tell you who to vote for. They, they know that she probably voted for Clinton and they're angry that she's not telling us all that she voted for Clinton. You know what I mean? Like they want her to, to denounce Trump. So then they, they talk about the thing that happened with uh, Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin when they were presenting yep. the award for best supporting actor um, and how they spoke out against, uh, against uh, 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 Trump. And they said, they said, Tom, Lily Tomlin said, it's true in 2017, we still refuse to be controlled by a sexist, egotistical, lying, hypocritical bigot. And of course she said that to vociferous applause because the audience there eats, eats that anti-Trump stuff up. Um, it says Parton between Tomlin and Fonda went wide-eyed and took a step back from the microphone, although she continued smiling gamely. Um, and then they say she did her go-to deflection move, a boob joke. They don't like that. How dare you bring people together with humor, right? <laughs> uh, and then uh, they quote her talking about it after. So I really like what she said here. It, when somebody asked her about it afterwards in the press, she said, I just did not want everybody to think that whatever they think is what I think. I don't really like getting up on TV and saying political things. What? What? How dare you? What did you think when you went into country music? What did you imagine would happen, Dolly? (laughs) Right? She says, I don't even want to make a deal out of it, but I want people to know I'm my own individual self. Even though Fonda, Tomlin, and I may agree on a lot of things, and they may have more in agreement between themselves because they've been together for longer, I still have my own thoughts and my own way of doing things. It's not a matter of being disrespectful. It's just, okay, that's what they said. I'm not getting involved in it. (gasps) (gasps) How dare you? How dare you? Um, So they, they continue to tear her down. Um, they, they basically say this is a self-serving thing. Here's a paragraph down here where they say, Parton's refusal to take any explicit public political stance has served her well for most of her career. Unlike younger stars like Taylor Swift, she took a little heat for refusing to endorse Hillary Clinton over Donald Trump in the 2016 election. Uh, when she said that she would be happy to stand behind Clinton if she gets it, before Clinton had officially clinched the the Democratic nomination, Parton was quick to clarify herself. She meant that if Clinton became president, she would support her wholeheartedly. Um, Then she threw in another boob joke. They really don't like the boob jokes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she has ample supply of boob jokes. Now, here's Uh, where they get into the really disgusting part of the piece. Scroll down a little bit. It says... But as Parton's 21st century career revival continues, viewers are willing to see more sinister undertones in her both sides-ism. Both sides-ism. After all, what do we do when both sides includes neo-Nazis and armed insurrectionists waving Confederate flags at the Capitol? This is part of that lie, the lie that the media tells us, which is a dehumanizing Uh, insidious lie where they're trying to tell us that there are two sides. One side is social justice, which is a racist, sexist, collectivist, evil belief system. And they're basically saying, well, you get on board with social justice and believe what we tell you it is, which is not what it really is. Or the only other side, the only other side is neo-Nazis 
<laughs> and white you know what? Wait, can, I, can I just pause? I just, you know what? As someone who has, had, I've had to put up with watching you imbeciles wear Che Guevara shirts as fashion statements and walk around acting like communism is okay. I mean, people fashionably wear the hammer and sickle. That is more disgusting than Nazism. It is more offensive. It killed more people. It is more evil. Not that Nazism is not evil, but come on. They have spent the last several decades propping up this idea that being a commie is cool and hip. And Che Guevara, who, by the way, murdered gays, murdered blacks, a horribly racist piece of crap, belongs on a shirt at your college while you're smoking pot thinking that you're all cool and hip and like, oh, I'm all about peace. Check out the mass murdering asshole on my shirt. That's the world that they live in. And they dare say, oh, what do we do when one side has Confederate flags? All bets are off. You know what? I it just F you guys. I'm sorry. I just. Yeah. We've had to watch you. I am sick and tired of of not saying anything when the left runs around telling kids that communism is completely fine, that like it's okay to wear communist symbols, it's okay to, to love Guevara. People loved Mao in the freaking 60s and 70s. I mean, the left, it has been despicable on this point, on picking, backing and uh, and praising the most evil people in history. And they dare. They dare act like they have a moral high ground to con to condemn someone for waving a Confederate flag around. It's unconscionable. It's disgusting, and we shouldn't put up with it. We should never have put up with the Che Guevara shirts in the first place. I agree. And you know what one difference is that they won't acknowledge ever is that the right – I noticed this as soon as I started making friends with people on the right because I had a lot of bigoted beliefs about conservatives and as soon as I started meeting conservatives and paying more attention to what people on the right were saying and, and what um, leaders on the right were saying, the right actually distances themselves from any crazy racist white supremacist, you know, whatever that small fraction. Of they of, do. Of they course. don't ironically wear Hitler shirts like Che Guevara. No. Like they don't, they're not like, well, I, I'm not that far, but I, I kind of think he's cool because my dorm likes him. No one does that. No, they and they denounce it openly and repeatedly. Of course and, they and do. Trump, as they should. Trump, Trump openly and repeatedly, as they should, <laughs> denounces white supremacy. He's done it more times than any president ever, partially because the media just keeps kept asking him to do it over and over, which they would never ask another president to do, but they asked him to do it, and he had to do it over and over and over, and they continued to pretend like he hadn't. But they rightfully so, all of society, all of society rightfully looks at white supremacy and new Nazis as as the extremist, evil, racist, collectivist they are. The difference is the left does not distance itself from the racism and the extremism on the left. In fact, they bring it up into the big tent. They, yeah, they embrace we, it. They, they, embrace they, they it. uphold it as a as a as a standard. They make it cool. They make it edgy. You have Keith Keith Ellison taking selfies with the Antifa handbook. You know, yeah. they they openly preach and push what used to be extremist racism on the left has now become mainstream. So that's a big difference. If you wanna if you wanna try and 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 pretend like the whole of the right can be defined by this tiny extremist element 
but you're not willing to look at the left and say, well, if you're going to do that, then you need to define the whole of the left as this extremist racist element that's on the left. They don't do that, even though that extremist element on the left has taken over. Well, and, and that extremist element on the left is they're not ashamed of it. Like they're anyone not. who is on the right, and I'm not even on the right, by the way, but I mean, I know a lot of people on the right. Anyone who's on the right is very aware that the fascists are viewed as something on the right side of the political spectrum. Now, you and I have talked about before that this political spectrum left and right is total crap. But mm -hmm. people use the spectrum and they're aware that if they say they're on the right, they 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 recognize that there's some people on that side of that crappy spectrum that are horrible authoritarians and they want to make sure that those are they they build Fringe. a wall around those and be like that's not where i am like that's not they're wrong right. we condemn them blah 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 the people on the left see nothing wrong with the evil people that are on the left side of the spectrum you ask them well che guevara well he's a hero stalin i mean well he, he made some errors but, but like they they don't have they don't have any sense that there's anything wrong with extreme leftism it's they not just actually, that they won't associate with it they actually think there's something noble about yeah. mao zedong they think yeah. that there's something noble about that crap and they that give is them money twitter just gave ibram disgusting. x kendi twitter gate jack jack dorsey gave ibram x kendi 10 million dollars to push his racism that would be like if twitter yes. that would be like if someone on the right gave david duke 10 million dollars they give they he just got a big huge abram x kenny just got a huge netflix deal they're giving this racist this evil racist money attention a platform they don't, they're not embarrassed of their extremists they put them in the front and center in the mainstream they give them a microphone here get out there and preach your racism abram x kenny like right. <laughs> it's so yeah. different anyway this part just that part just sorry oh, I, so I just i needed to i needed to rant on no, that for a minute because i'm it. i'm sick of the fact like <laughs> we have remained quiet for too long not saying anything to people and the che guevara shirt is just an example it's castro it's like any two-bit commie dictator that pops up <laughs> the left basically gets down on their knees and worships and 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 we don't say anything about it. We act like it's normal. No. Well, kids will be kids. Well, they're college. They're just idealists. I would you say that about someone who was wearing like a Hitler Youth outfit? No. Nor should you. They're not just idealists. They have a horrible, vile ideology that they're portraying, and it's 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 despicable, and it has no place. It has no place in modern society. It shouldn't be tolerated. Not that it should be illegal to express the opinions, but it shouldn't be tolerated in polite company and instead they just they make movies about it they make t-shirts about it they write books about it they make bumper stickers about it they act that they're they act as if it's something to be admired and it's it makes me sick and it's our fault for letting them do this for this long mm -hmm. we should have smacked upside the head the first college kid who dared wear a che Guevara shirt maybe not literally and just said what not the hell is literally. wrong with you what the not hell literally. is wrong with you, kid? I'm not paying for your college. If this is what you're going to wear, uh, yeah, not literally. Like, you can't, you can't, you can't allow that, and then turn around and and wonder why the left has gotten so crazy radical. Well, we let them. We let them get radical. We're too afraid to say, you know, that guy's a mass murderer. Yeah. Sorry. Okay, I'll so, go back to Dolly okay. because I'm we'll ranting way too much. Okay, so here, this again, this gets to the heart of what they hate about her is that she's beloved by everyone. 
And so this next paragraph says, in a close reading of Parton's career, Jessica Wilkerson grapples with her own lifelong Dolly fandom and specifically the way the idea of whiteness underlies Dolly's image. Now, don't get it twisted. This is explicitly racist. This is social justice uh, pushing racism under the guise of pushing anti-racism. You're attacking Dolly Parton for being white. And, I, and, and they use this phrase whiteness so that they can be racist and pretend like they're not. They're like, I'm not criticizing her for being white. I'm criticizing whiteness. What, really, what's whiteness? What is it? They can never define it. What is it? Um, whiteness under. <laughs> By the way, if there is such a thing as whiteness, I'm pretty sure Dolly Parton does embrace it. Quite like, uh, she's a lot what, of white. Why? What, is, what does that mean? She's got blonde hair. She's very white skinned. Like she's she's very white. If there's a well, she is a white person. Yeah, but when they do this, this is also so they can attack anyone who's black uh, or a person of color who does not agree with social justice. They go. They explain that away because they want to tell you that that they speak for black people. They don't. They want to tell you they speak for Latino people. They don't. They want to tell you they speak for Asians. They don't. And anytime there's a, a, a black person who disagrees with social justice, they, they want to say, well, they are prop that black person is over there is propping up whiteness. That right. whiteness or underlies that black person's it image. Or whatever. Yeah, they've yeah. internalized racism. And how stupid do you have to be to believe this stuff? I mean, intelligent people believe this stuff, but it's stupid. There are some ideas. Who said this? Was it Thomas Sowell? Somebody said there are some ideas that are so stupid only an intellectual could believe them. Anyway, that sounds like so, Thomas Sowell. <clears throat> so then, here's a quote from this person who that they're they're talking about. Quote: She's meaning Dolly. She's embraced by feminists and queer folks at the same time that she is declared a queen by Confederate apologists. Dolly, as Mountain Girl, anchors her to an ancestral white home in the imaginations of white people while her class conscious and gender transgressive performance of whiteness becomes a signifier for white progressives who embrace gender fluidity and working class icon uh, icon icon uh, can you say that word well i would not have used that word i it looks iconology. like iconology yeah but wouldn't it be iconology not iconology i don't know what iconology is I think it means iconolatry, meaning I, that I, she's iconolatry. An, yeah, iconology. she's an icon. Um, so then it says in it. Wilkerson's reading. By the way, the woman who wrote that Wilkerson, I don't, I haven't looked her up, but I'm willing to bet that she's a, an elitist, meaning that she probably went to an expensive university and got a, an expensive degree and a bunch of BS, um, like I did. Uh, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I got my minor in it, but still. Um, okay, so then here's got a, a minor in BS. I got a minor in women's studies, aka BS. In Wilkerson's reading, Dolly is able to flirt with both sides of the political aisle, but at a cost. Quote Dolly Parton has built her empire on and with the debris of old racist amusements and wrapped it in working class signifiers and feminist politics. Wilkerson concludes nodding to Dolly Parton's Dixie stampede quote. I ignored that. Hold fact on. Look, for... look, look what here's Jessica Wilkerson. This is her book to live here. You have to fight how women led Appalachian movements for social justice. Oh, she gross. Is a, she is exactly everything you would think. She's a PhD she... guys, doctor, <laughs> doctor in the <laughs> house. I just want to share that. Okay. Go ahead. She's a doctor of, uh, 
bullshit. So, um, <laughs> so then she says, I ignored that fact for a long time because it didn't fit the script of the feminist working class here when I had conjured, but I also ignored how others' attachment to Dolly is exactly because of her embrace of Dixie and her complex celebration of whiteness. So they're saying Do Dolly Parton herself celebrate <laughs> celebrates whiteness, whatever that means. Well, it's a and, complex celebration, Carrie, which means right. don't ask us to define it. Right. And she it's, says, it's and... Complex. And I have ignored how whiteness clings. <laughs> whiteness clings. Ew. It clings I have some to whiteness you. on me. Yeah, it's you got to wash yourself clean, guys. Do you not get the religious subtext here yet? You got to wash <laughs> yourself clean of the sins of whiteness. Um, elsewhere in the article, Wilkerson investigates labor conditions at Dollywood, which yeah. Parton established in her hometown to bring jobs back the area how dare she bring jobs back um well but they're says, not good enough. labor conditions there workless and finds uh it's hard work low pay although above minimum wage it's above minimum <laughs> wage but low pay guys and patchy benefits uh yeah no. okay it's so, too bad that she brought jobs to town but only paid and gave benefits as work commensurate with the work that she was able to bring to town right it's too bad she only paid she only paid above minimum wage. Um, the idea that Parton's theme park is not a labor paradise is probably not enough to get Dolly Parton canceled. See, they're looking for reasons to get her canceled. They want to get her canceled. <laughs> they, they look like, this probably isn't enough, guys. We have to keep digging. <laughs> uh, neither is the idea that she refuses to talk politics in public or that she allows racists to like her. How, how do you stop a racist from liking you? <laughs> I think we should get racists to start liking these people. I think they do already. I think Richard Spencer does already like them. Right? By the way, keep in mind, the person writing this is a racist. Jessica <laughs> Wilkerson is a racist. They look at people and judge them on the basis of race. They are social justice racists. And they want to pretend like they're not. But okay. But anyway, moving aside. Yeah. It's like, how do she she doesn't stop racists like Jessica Wilkerson from liking her. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's not who they meant, but anyway. Um, so, okay. The idea that Parton's theme park is not a labor paradise is probably not enough to get Dolly Parton canceled. Neither is the idea that she refuses to talk politics in public or that she allows racists to like her or that she rewrote her labor rights anthem to help sell Squarespace. But it is the sort of thing that makes the reflexively trendy worship of Dolly, like a recent petition to replace all Confederate monuments in Tennessee with statues of Dolly, Dolly um, start to feel a little lazy, even cartoonish. Um, mm. And then they say uh, Dolly Parton is a brilliant artist, and she also seems to be a nice lady who's doubtless doing her best for all her many fans. Wow, that's probably the nicest thing they've the nicest concession they've made here, but asking her to solve America's fractured social landscape and calling her Jesus is putting a lot on her. Well, first of all, you shouldn't call anybody Jesus except Jesus. Aren't you the one who um, just, but this author is the you, one who set that up. Yes, they did that. They <laughs> did that. And, and, <laughs> and so uh, the, 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 there's a weird thing that's happening here again, because they did put that on her don't like the fact that she brings all kinds of people together and that she's um, that she loves everyone 
like Jesus. Right. They don't like that. Right. They start their article um, by saying like, and, oh, and let's they, compare her to Jesus. And then they say, oh, it's not a comparison. That's that's a not valid comparison. Well, then why did you make it? You made it. I didn't think she was Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I just. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, we can we can stop reading this here, but I I just really I thought you know she is, and there are a lot of people who love Dolly Parton, and I have a my own special you know place in my heart for Dolly ever since I was a kid, and my one of my favorite movies of all time is um, Smoky Mountain Christmas, and I used to pray <laughs> I used to pray that um, Dolly would come adopt me like one of those little orphans in that movie, and. <laughs> I never saw this movie, so I don't know. Oh God, I had to. I had to get it bootlegged. I finally got it bootlegged from Japan or something before it was because it, it wasn't out on DVD for a long time. Although now it is in the in the states, but um, my version has like Japanese subtitles. <laughs> anyway, she, uh, she 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 is. There's something about her that just she has like a very open spirit and a loving spirit, and she she seems to make. Um, people feel at home uh, and to even be feel at home rubbing shoulders with people they may disagree with politically at her shows. And that's beautiful. And we need more of that. And, you know, I was talking about this with my fellow the other day, because I was saying, you know, there's one, we were looking at, you know, how, how so many entertainers these days feel the need to preach their politics to us. And on the one hand, I disagree with people on the right who say um, you should shut up and sing. You know, I, I I believe that everyone should be able to speak and should speak their their mind as far as they feel compelled to. They should, you know, free speech. I believe in free speech. If you have an opinion, it doesn't matter to me if you're my next door neighbor or if you're a big um, movie star or singer or whatever. You should be able to speak your opinion. What I don't like is the arrogant moral and intellectual high ground that a lot of celebrities try to claim as if they are smarter than the average man or they know more or they're mo- more moral and they're and it's their job as if it's their job to preach down to us and t- and tell us how we should vote and what we should believe. I don't like that. If you're going to speak your opinions, do so humbly and 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 do so um in a spirit of, you know, if you're going to if you basically I'm trying to figure out how to articulate this. The same way that I believe there's no difference between um, a tow truck driver speaking his mind and Justin Timberlake speaking his mind, you should have the humility of a tow truck driver when you do speak your mind, even if you're Justin Timberlake. I'll put it that way. Don't pretend like your status gives you some moral and intellectual superiority over the tow truck driver. It doesn't. You're just a person who happens to be a star who's telling us what you think. And I also don't like it when you make it primary and you make it more important than what your art is. Dolly Parton doesn't make it more important than what her art is. Any political opinions of hers that that have been implied or that we've happened to pick up have been secondary to her number one priority, which is entertaining people. And that's that's a good that's when you have your priorities on straight. A lot of people are like a lot of entertainers these days believe that their number one job is to witness to all of us and to get us to join their religion. And to tell us about their religion, which is social justice. Well, I don't want to hear about your religion. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, I, it's it's incumbent upon us to hold them accountable for that. So they they will stop the moment that doing so 
hurts their careers in a major way. Like that, then they'll stop. But if they can get away with it and we still go worship Justin Timberlake, for those of you who might worship Justin Timberlake for an unknown reason, uh, then, then they'll keep doing it. Um, so I, you know, what I, if a truck, if a tow truck driver was really good, and he said a little bit about his politics, it'd probably be okay. If he lectured me every time I needed to call his service, if I used it frequently, <laughs> then like I probably wouldn't call, I probably wouldn't use the tow truck driver. And the same can be true for actors. Like, okay, like I don't, there's a lot of great talented actors in the world. You're not in the position that you are. Like, I think a lot of actors have this belief that they're somehow special and elite and superior because they're in the position that they're in and and often they do have talent and or and or looks that are unusual but they're not irreplaceable there's lots of actors that can any given role i mean with the exception of roles that are typecat like that are set for that actor like no one else can be uh john mcclain in a diehard series it's got to be bruce willis but with the exception of things like that anyone can like there's plenty of female and male leads <laughs> to take over you don't we don't need you you're not no one's gonna cry if john yeah. travolta isn't available for roles anymore no one will care no one gives a crap we don't care there's plenty of other people that can do your job the same is true for jane fonda <laughs> let's yeah. do some super chats because we are behind on and super i will chats say and... i will say right before you do those the last thing i'll say about it is is this we when I was talking about this with my fellow, I was saying she's one of the few musicians I can think of who has the ability because she's got such a loving open spirit that has the ability to bring people together across the political divide, which is a, a beautiful gift. And he was saying, Well, Willie Nelson has that ability too. And I had one caveat to that. Willie Nelson does have that beautiful open spirit, but he knows has the ability to bring people together across the divide because he did choose, he did choose a side in the ridiculous left right wars. He did. He has started doing, he does Beto show. He did Beto events. He's done, he came out, you know, against Trump or whatever. He's, he's, he has, he has made those um, religious, like political uh, statements that they want from celebrities. And so I think I think um, he still has that beautiful open spirit, and I think he probably is someone who does have Republican friends like Dolly and has friends across the aisle. But because he's gone on record as saying, you know, vote this way or I'm voting this way, and I don't think I think she's one of the few that retains the ability to use that open, um, loving spirit to bring people together. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Okay, I have to take a quick break while you read these. I'll be right back. <sighs> All right, take a break. I'll read. I had a lot of coffee this morning. All right, okay. All right. You're probably just tired also. That was a long thing. All right. Um, actually, why bother? Thank you for pointing this out. Why bother gives us a super chat and says, did they actually write police shooting George Floyd? In a couple of years, legend will have it that police crucified him in front of a group of preschoolers. I didn't catch that when we just read that article. But uh, nice catch. Why bother? I'm going to pull this article back up. Yeah, they did. Here's This is the line. Barton was speaking to Billboard in July 2020 as the country was engulfed in protests following the police shooting of George Floyd. The police did not, nor are they accused of, shooting George Floyd. So is, will this be, be the beginning of a rewrite of history? Perhaps. 
thanks for the catch. That was that was a good catch. All right. Uh, let's see. I might have to. We might have one of those issues where I can read them but can't put them on screen. So uh, I apologize to the people who are just going to get their super chats read. There's one more I can put on screen, which is John Martin. He says real racists only use salt and white pepper. <laughs> nice. Uh, but but I guess they can't use black lava sea salt, which by the way is excellent on steak. All right, let's do uh, let's do some super chats that I can't put on screen, but I can read. Uh, Perky Sue says Dolly changed Sevier County, Tennessee. I guess that's how you pronounce it, from abject poverty to solidly middle class. But that's not enough, Perky Sue. That's not enough. Uh, TPS says Dolly's pained youth and hard work equals zero privilege. Yeah, well, I mean, as we know, that's not uh, that's not sufficient. They they would argue that she has privilege by virtue of her skin color, of course. Uh, but yeah, brother John gives us ten bucks and says, "Yes, Carter, I've been trying to say that for so long. I think that came in while I was yelling about Che Guevara." So thank you, brother John. Finest City Cycling says, "To Carrie's point, that's the point Jordan Peterson made in the debate with Michael Eric Dyson." I don't remember what what point that is exactly oh carrie's back maybe she remembers what point that was wait what did what about one of the worst people in the world michael eric dyson no <laughs> someone said finest city cycling says to carrie's point that's the point jordan peterson made in the debate with michael eric dyson but i don't know what point of yours it might have been the point that it might have been the point that uh social justice is racist that that you've got racists now people who believe in a racist belief system oh calling other people racist michael eric dyson in that debate with jordan peterson do you know he didn't have an argument I didn't watch he, the debate. he didn't oh it's infuriating he, he never addresses anything peterson says his only retort is but you're white like he's like that's what it boils down to is but you're white you're a white person yeah like, well oh, i mean well you're a racist <laughs> i'm sure logical reason debate is is i'm sure a white construct uh okay Mick Wynn says, just watched your stream with Az, heel versus babyface, and Batwoman. You need to get him back on the stream. Hail FNT's Nerdrotics. That was uh, It was fun. a fun episode. And actually, he has said he'll come back on, perhaps to talk about Star Wars. So that's, I want him to talk about Star Wars. Because oh, you and cool. Az went off on this, like, talking about British comedy. And I was like, I don't know anything you're referring to. <laughs> I want to talk about Star Wars. So. He might come back for that. We'll see. I don't know. Cool. Uh, TPS says, left admires the one-child policy. YouTube is censoring censoring my super chat. Really? Okay. Uh, G-Man says, the SJWs have defined whiteness. Getting up with your alarm. Right. <laughs> Getting up with your alarm, being at meetings on time, paying your bills. In other words, working nine to five. They have, uh, which is... I Working need we point to out five. quite insulting uh, for everyone who is. But do you see? Do you see what he did there? I got. I even got the Dolly Parton reference. Yeah. Yeah. So her song is white by that vir virtue of that because and it should be working sometime after nine to whenever you feel like going home. Otherwise, it's too white. Uh, TPS says I'm white, but a good white savior, not a racist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh that's what Jessica, whatever her name was, yeah. Um Columbus Cynic 
gives us 50 bucks. Thank you, Columbus Cynic, and says, you both need to be rewarded for enduring this article. My brain hurts now. <laughs> well, I'm sorry that you had, had to experience that article. <laughs> I had to endure it because I love Dolly so much, and I'm not done. I don't think I've thoroughly – this helped a lot, but I have a lot more frustration that I need to express about it. <laughs> I just wow. got to do it with friends. Yeah, it really yeah. angers me. I mean, you know, teaching racism to our children in public schools, um, invading our churches with your racist belief system um, and your sexist belief system, uh, you know, uh, performing child abuse on on children and and getting them to take hormone blockers and and all the all the things that you guys have done, which are evil social justice people. This is a line too far. <laughs> the Dolly Parton line for me. Oh, oh no. <laughs> so for me, it was affirmative action for Carrie. It's Dolly Parton. Yeah. You come for Dolly. You come for all of us. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> like, and, and by the way, <sighs> severe miscalculation, because as you rightly pointed out, a lot of people love her. So you come for her. We're going to yeah. use this to point out what hypocrites, what horrible people you are. Chris Patterson uh, said, I turned 56 today for my birthday wish. I want to go back to being 54, not because I want to get any younger, but I just want to go back to 2019. <laughs> oh, happy <laughs> uh, birthday. All of us. Happy birthday, Chris. And we are, we're in agreement. So Beverly, can you get on that time machine we've been talking about? That's, uh, she's a, such a slacker. I told her to invent the time machine earlier, but she hasn't gotten around to it. Um, oh, one more. Uh, Ty Grainer says, they should be careful when messing with Dolly when she has Miley Cyrus in her ring. She does? If this gets out enough, my bets are on Miley swinging back. I don't even know the reference. I mean, I know who Miley Cyrus is. but I Oh, they did. Uh, Miley did one of a cover of one of her songs, I think. Oh. China, yeah. Did it involve a wrecking ball? No. No, but she does have a song called Wrecking Ball. I, I know. I, I, that's oh, okay. why I asked. I remember the image. Oh, okay. It's indelibly. What, are, what, what was the phrase? It's, it's uh, stamped indelibly on the inside of my brain or whatever. What was the? I can't remember that phrase. Name? But Yeah. Anyway. Uh, all right. Let's, let's do. There's a couple other like couple other topics that we don't have to be fat. We don't have to be, be uh, we can be fast about them, I think. This is not a whole topic to discuss, but I'd just like to make an announcement. Um, oh, okay. uh, this is our Tom McDonald update, which I hope to do during every show now. He has a new kicker. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I don't care. I love him. And, we, and, and I'm just going to tag it onto the Dolly thing because he's a singer. Hey. Uh, he has a new video out, which people were telling me in the chat to watch last time. I saw you guys. I just didn't get to respond. I just watched it. It's called Clown World. You should go watch it on YouTube. That's all. That's the end of it's the Tom McDonald World? update. Yeah. See, that's I like his his. Uh, I like where he goes with it. I mean, I like his themes. Yeah. Clown World is a good one because the moment he says Clown World, just the title categorizes him as a horrible wrong thinker who needs to be canceled. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I just want to show you a couple things. So uh, really quickly, there was a, there's been this back and forth. There's still a little bit of, of 
back and forth about the Texas power thing that happened. And, uh, okay. I want to show, I just want to show two opposing articles, um, because I think it's easy to, it's sometimes easy to just be like, oh, this, I, I like this side, this side is right, or I like that side, or that side is right, and not, uh, there's often a little bit of truth in both things. So I'm going to, I'm going to just share something here. This is, let's start with this InfoWars article. I know how a lot of people feel about InfoWars, but this is an InfoWars article. And of course, in in standard InfoWars style, smoking gun, Joe Biden's Department of Energy blocked Texas from increasing power ahead of killer storm. So they, hey, they have a smoking gun. It was Biden's fault. Okay. And the summary of this article here is an emergency order from the Biden administration's Department of Energy shows Texas energy grid operator ERCOT was instructed to stay within green energy standards by purchasing energy from outside the state at a higher cost, throttling power output throughout the state ahead of a catastrophic polar vortex. So it's Biden's fault because they forced them to purchase expensive power. And uh, and, it, and that caused throttling power. They couldn't actually have enough power. And this is why. And, you know, they, they cite this document, this executive order. And they say here, this EO shows the Biden administration basically ordered ERCOT to throttle its energy output by forcing it to comply with environmental green energy standards. And I've seen this going around as as fact. And I thought, okay, well, is it fact? Because I don't have a uh, I don't have a horse in the race. I mean, I you know, Alex Jones is entertaining, but so we go to the opposite. What does Politifact say about it? Politifact. Well, Politifact specifically citing this article says, uh, Alex Jones, liar, liar, pants on fire. Um, they say, hey, this is this story is wrong. No nuance. Story is wrong. The major smoking gun cited by InfoWars is actually an emergency order that temporarily suspended federal emissions caps in the state so that some power plants could operate at maximum capacity. It The truth is the opposite of what Alex Jones said that actually this is an order that made things better. They were suspending environmental uh, regulations. And so this is why it's liar, liar, pants on fire. Okay, so for the truth, oops, wrong document. Where's the truth? There's the truth. Let's look at, let's just look at it really quickly. Um, and I, I wanna do this because I wanna demonstrate how no one has any freaking nuance. No one, you have to actually go to original sources. It sucks, yes. but you've got to go to original sources. You have to, because no one has an ounce of nuance anywhere ever. So maybe that was hyperbole, but okay. <laughs> so here's, this is a order from the Department of Energy. Uh, what's the guy's name? Who? David Wizenga, Acting Secretary of Energy. Okay. He says, hey, ERCOT filed a request for emergency order uh, under the Federal Power Act. So ERCOT said, hey, we might have some problems. And they acknowledged, they acknowledge, he acknowledges here that there's a bunch of stuff going on, Texas problems, blah, blah, blah. And then he says, I've determined that additional dispatch for the specific resources is necessary to best meet the emergency and serve the public interest for the purposes of FPA section 202C. Because the additional generation may result in a conflict with the environmental standard and requirements, I'm authorizing only the necessary additional generation with reporting requirements 
as described by those below. So this looks like he is actually authorizing more power because he's recognizing that there's an emergency. He spends the beginning recognizing there's an emergency and say, I am authorizing more power. So points so far going to Politico looking like it's leaning in this direction. Then he says, to minimize adverse environmental impacts, this order limits operation of dispatch units to the times and within the parameters determined by ERCOT for reliability purposes. Now, the reason this is interesting to me is um, this is, so they're saying, look, we want to minimize environmental impact. You can, you can add more units that don't meet the standards, but only when you have a reliability problem. Now, we're going to get to why this is actually, we'll get to why that's interesting in a minute. So then they say, in the event that ERCOT determines that generation for the specified resources is necessary to meet the electricity demand that ERCOT anticipates in Texas during this event, I direct ERCOT to dispatch such unit or units and to order their operation only as needed to maintain the reliability of the power grid in the ERCOT region when the demand on the ERCOT system exceeds expected energy and reserve requirements. I just want to point something out as a free market guy here. There's no discussion, there is later in this document, but there's no discussion here of price. None. There, But he uses uh, words that are inherently economic that actually imply there must be a price, like demand, um, without talking about price. And this is an impossible. This is an impossible sentence to actually interpret, and it's an impossible task to to complete because demand is not static and fixed. If you tell me power is free, uh, demand will be basically infinite. I will plug in eighteen million Bitcoin miners. I will do whatever. Like if power is free, demand will skyrocket. If power is super expensive. I might buy that gas stove or cook at the campfire or keep the heat down a little bit and wear an extra sweater. Demand depends on price. And so to say I'm directing you to use um, extra units only as needed to maintain reliability of power when the demand exceeds what you expect in your reserve, well, demand is missing the feedback loop here. We don't know what this is going to be. now. Maybe he's not going to talk about price setting, which is good. He shouldn't be talking about price setting, but it's kind of a weird sentence. So here we go. Consistent with now, here's the here's what maybe Infowars should call out as the smoking gun. Consistent with good utility practice, ERCOT shall exhaust all reasonably and practically available resources, including available imports, demand response and identified behind the meter generation resources selected to minimize and increase in emissions to the extent that such resources provide support to maintain grid reliability prior to dispatching the specified resources. So what this means is before you violate environmental laws by turning on that coal plant, you gotta first turn to practically available resources, including purchasing energy outside of the state that is one of the things you must do before you can turn on your coal plant. This point goes to Infowars. That's what this means. It means you've got to buy the stuff outside the state, if possible, before you turn on these plants that don't meet our requirements. They also set a minimum price here. I think this is because they 
want to make it very clear that this minimum price, by the way, is like 10 times what it should be. They're, I think they're making it clear that this should only be an emergency. Um, so that's that's all I really wanted to say about this. I just wanted to point out that it's not as things aren't as straightforward. It's not the smoking gun that Infowars said, but Infowars isn't wrong as political fact said either. It's a little bit of nuance, and I just wanted to point out that it's a little bit of nuance. That's all. It's nothing super exciting here. One of the things I don't like is that we take every news story and we catastrophize it and make it super like, you should get emotionally charged about this. It's it's a travesty this way or that way or it's wrong. It's like there's nuance here. Most stories are actually quite boring. This is one of them. It's kind of a boring story. The truth is kind of boring. There's some bureaucracy, some crap going wrong in the background, some mistakes, a bunch of – I mean I've already – you know my position on – government getting involved in any of this anyway. So I guess we could get excited about that. But people just like to get excited. And they like they like news... it when the headline says, it's Biden's fault, or it's Trump's fault, right? You know? It's a smoking gun or Alex Jones is liar, liar, pants on fire, like, wow, they're both bad, right? But they're not. That's not like, there's nuance. Just look at the nuance. Um, or just don't bother reading this crap. I don't know. Mm -hmm. that, that's all I wanted to say about this. <sighs> Do we have to talk about Andrew Cuomo? I, I feel like we have to. I don't. I don't like Andrew Cuomo. Oh, no. I don't. You know what? Okay, I'm going to be honest. I have a bias. It is. It is. It is not fair. It will taint. It'll taint me. I don't like the way he looks. He just, <laughs> like, I look at Andrew Cuomo and I want to punch him in the face. I'm not saying you should. Wow. It's, that's the initiation of the use of force. One should not do that. But my desire is like. What a scumbag. He just, I just don't like how he looks. He looks That's like completely a... biased. It's completely subjective. It's in no way an indictment of his, his, you know, person. There's other reasons to indict him as a moral being, but that's not one of them. I'm just saying I'm throwing my bias out there. I kind of just don't like Even guy. if you didn't know anything about him or the stuff he's done, if you just saw a person on the street who looked like that, you don't like that, his look? No. I just, just, I just don't like him. I look at him and I'm like, you're a douche. Like, I just don't, he just looks, I don't, I don't know if it's how he carries himself or like he's made the lying face so long that it's permanently on his face. Like, I don't know what it is, but I just don't like him. That might be tainted by what I've known he's like, what he's done. And my, that might've seeped into my assessment of his facial features. That's possible. Um, so I'm just, I want to be honest. I don't like him, but I'm going to try and give him a fair I think we should give him a fair shake as fair as possible. Uh, okay. So, I Governor don't Cuomo. have that bias, so. Okay, great. So you can be unbiased uh, and objective. <laughs> He's a handsome fellow, isn't he? There's Kay? nothing about him, the way he looks that just make. I wouldn't say that either. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't look at him and Someone have the says the word is smarmy. I'm trying to think if there's anybody. Smarmy's the word. Yeah. Go ahead, if, go ahead. I'm trying to think if there's anyone that I have that sort of, I just don't like the way they look. Maybe that Rachel Levine woman, man, you know, I don't like the yeah, look of I that mean, person. I'm, that's hard. that's <clears throat> true. But okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is with him. All right. I'll stop about that. 
So let's be reminded. Just to remind you who this master is, Andrew Cuomo, governor of New York, he received an Emmy for his masterful COVID-19 briefings. The International Academy of Television, Arts, and Sciences announced Friday, this is a while ago, that it is breaking with tradition and awarding its International Emmy Founders Award to a real politician who is currently in office. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo is being honored his daily is being honored his daily coronavirus briefings. I think they mean because of his daily coronavirus briefings earlier this year. What it's only NPR, so we can't expect they've proofread. Okay. So <coughs> awesome guy. Coronavirus briefings. We all remember his brother had him on CNN regularly because he's just so awesome. And Chris, I'm sure very unbiased, had his brother on. Okay. So what's going on with with him recently? Well, he's kind of under investigation. Uh, his administration. Two things. The the one. The first I wanted to talk about was the COVID stuff. You guys remember, I'm sure, the nursing home scandal. There was these reports that, hey, you know, uh, I think he's putting in people that have COVID into nursing homes, which is kind of not where they belong. Maybe maybe that will be the opposite of where they belong. Uh, so nearly like re- a death sentence, you know? <laughs> right. You know, just maybe that was a bad, maybe that was a mistake. Nearly three weeks after the governor's task force was announced, but he deserves an Emmy because he did it. He looked really good and, and his speech was great when he was putting them in. Uh, nearly three weeks after the governor's task force was announced last year, the state health department issued an order directing nursing homes and other long-term care facilities that they must accept residents who were being discharged from hospitals, even if they were still testing positive for the infectious disease. Yeah, no, I, I don't know how he could have predicted that would go wrong. Uh, so the attorney general of New York, uh, Letitia James issued a scathing report that concluded the practice may have increased risk of COVID-19 infections. You think? Let's take a look at the scathing report. That's the report I had up earlier. Uh, okay, here are her findings. By the way, this report, the investigation is not complete. This is a preliminary report. Uh, okay, what they find, a larger number of nursing home residents died from COVID-19 than the data, the Department of Health data reflected. So there was some maybe data manipulation, lack of compliance with infection control protocols put residents at increased risk of harm during the COVID-19 pandemic in some facilities. Okay. Government guidance requiring the admission of COVID-19 patients into nursing homes may have put residents at increased risk of harm in some facilities and may have obscured the data available to assess that risk. So, uh, poster child, Mr. Emmy, Mr. Handled COVID-19 perfectly criticized Trump almost daily. Um, Turns out maybe wasn't doing everything he should have with COVID. Now, interestingly enough, uh, he's actually now in trouble for some sexual harassment crap. Um, And... I don't know if we really we can talk about that if you want. I've looked at I've looked at the stuff, Carrie. Have you looked at the sexual harassment? Yes. Allegations. Yeah, I just sent you one. The first one actually looks pretty. Uh, Lindsay Boylan, she wrote a medium piece about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I have it here. Yeah, my story of working with Governor Cuomo. 
her piece here, I, I, we don't have to read it. Look, she's she, and she probably look. She's probably social justicey. Her language seems like she's clearly on the left here, right, and and a little bit crazy. But it's actually pretty bad. I mean, there's a few things in here where I go, well, she could be reading into it. But taken together, the allegations are pretty damning, and she has like contempt, like contemporaneous evidence that she communicated with other people about this problem when yes. it happened, and it's super recent. It's from like 2017 and after, so. This is not a this is not a Christine Blasey Ford accusation. This is no, like this is recent, very recent, and lots of evidence. And it's also not from someone who is uh, um, on the other side of the aisle politically right. and looking to impede an appointment. You know, like the thing about Christine Blasey Ford is that not only were the allegations from decades and decades and decades ago but they were also uh they they were also that she couldn't name a, a date or a location or there were like lots of missing things it was from, and it was being used by people who agreed with her politically to try and prevent a confirmation like it had yes. there was a political motive for it when i look yes. at this woman i'm like well this is anecdotal as well but it is more recent and is she politically at odds with him? No, she's a Democrat. Uh, she's right. running for something herself. Um, right. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that I know that it's true or not. I, I have no idea. Right. We should but we should assume that this is just allegation. And these are just allegations. Guilty. But um, it is interesting to me for the same reason that a lot of stories are interesting to me is just I I. I I'm more interested in the hypocrisy and how things are handled when it is against someone like the Tara Reid stuff against Joe Biden, how the legacy media works to cover up stories and not report on stories. Um, and I'm curious as to why they're now reporting on this, because she originally made these allegations a few months ago and they kind of didn't they didn't uh, plaster it everywhere. And now I'm wondering. And they also, as you know, they tried to bury the Cuomo uh, COVID nursing home stuff. Oh, till after the election. Absolutely. Till after yeah. the election. But now they're reporting on it. Why is that? Is it just that they wanted to wait until after Biden won? Or is it, do they now, for some reason, is there a target on Cuomo's back on the left for some reason? I don't know. You know, I'm wondering if it's a combination of not necessarily a target, but they knew it was bad. They knew it was going to have to be dealt with. It was going to come out, but it needed to be suppressed until after the election. And so, they he he enjoyed the cover of the election as protection for a little bit and my maybe maybe now that this COVID stuff is coming out and they're worried about the investigation maybe they want to just distance themselves from him and now like i think once yeah once there's a little bit of like oh this guy might be on the outs he's not cool anymore they're going to pile on everything who's got dirt on this guy now is the time to throw the dirt let's just all pile on um, it doesn't mean the dirt's wrong or right. We don't know. Um, and, you know, like I said, uh, you know, e even this guy, I would give the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, well, like Charlotte Bennett was another one of the accusers. And from what I've seen, her stuff is like totally unverifiable. He said X to me when no one was around and like, okay, well, I, I don't know that that's, you can't, mm -hmm. you can't do anything with that. Right. That's not actionable. Lindsay Boylan's got, uh, theoretically, there's witnesses um for some of these things and so 
you know, you could actually prove that something happened. Uh, but yeah, I, I think maybe they just pile on. Maybe they're just piling on him because he's. They think he's on the out, and they're like, "Okay, now we we can criticize him now because he's going down anyway." And so we don't want to go down I'm, with him. We want to go down. I'm looking at as his accusers. I'm looking at some of the people in the chat are saying. Uh, somebody says, "I think that that AG has her eye on his job." Somebody says, um, "Maybe." Although uh, if she come, wanted his come. job, the best thing to do would to not be do this because he's been nominated for a position in the cabinet or or there's been hmm. talk about him going into Biden's cabinet. So uh, the best way for her to get his job is to get him the hell out of the state and have him be promoted and she can take his job. I don't know that this is the best way to get his job, but no, maybe, but maybe it gets her fame. Somebody says uh, someone on the left with power sees him as a threat. Somebody else says Kamala is removing potential 2024 opposition for president. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, <laughs> as funny as that is, that's kind of believable. <laughs> yeah. That might be the best, that. the best wild guess I've heard mm-hmm. yet. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Letitia James wants to be governor. <laughs> but she could be governor by supporting his. Right. His. Uh, Cabinet. You know, promotion, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. I don't know. Although, like I said, maybe she'll she'll get famous for. Oh my gosh, get Agrippa! What a great name. Get Agrippa says he was just fortifying the elderly population. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just fortifying it. Fortifying it. Um. All right, that's all I want to say about that. I don't actually want to dwell on the story. I don't care about Andrew Cuomo very much, and uh, I'm not saying he's guilty. Just want to throw out that he is guilty of being Andrew Cuomo, and. <laughs> Uh, and yeah. maybe the Emmys were a bit premature, guys. Maybe, maybe Emmys were not the right thing to do. It hey. doesn't take much to get an award from the culture at large. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Fair yeah. Enough. Um, Matt Deckard gives a super chat. Says from now, from now on, I'm spelling man with an X. M X N. I think. I think it's. Thank you, Matt Deckard. <laughs> Yeah. There was a super uh, chat I wanted to read. And, okay, go ahead. Oh, this one from Andrew Joyner. Thank Great. you, sir. He says, in my opinion, Kendi is misguided, not really evil. And according to Glenn Lowry, shush, say it quietly, not the sharpest tool. Yeah, okay. So I, uh, just to clarify for anyone who's new to our channel and isn't – I've talked about this quite a bit, so I apologize for repeating myself. I don't actually believe that people can people are good or evil. I think humans are – capable of both things and some sometimes we choose to live in one place more than the other and to primarily operate from one more than the other um i think kendi's ideology is evil and without a doubt i think social justice ideology is evil thoroughly racist um i think it has evil ends and he is selling this evil from a large platform and give being given lots of power and privilege to do so and lots of tools. And um, I don't know anything about him as a person. I do believe that people can push evil ideology without realizing what they're doing without, while, while thinking they're doing something good. I mean, I was in social justice for 20 years. I thought it was good. I thought what I was doing was good. Um, I know people, friends of mine who still believe in it and push it and, and, they think they're pushing something good. They believe what it sells itself as. 
when it's someone like Kendi though, who makes a lot of money doing it, I'm a little more skeptical because I've, you know, his paycheck is coming from pushing these evil beliefs. And uh, it's, it's anyway, it's really hard to get someone to see, even if he is a person with good intentions, now that you are getting a paycheck from it, um, it it's harder to get a, a person like that to wake up or to be actually open-minded or to, to, to get them to reconsider the beliefs they're pushing because that's where their bread's buttered. It's like that Upton Syrup. It's hard to, I, I'm going to paraphrase it, but he, he's, you know, it's really hard to get a person to understand something that their paycheck requires them not to understand, <laughs> you know? Right. <clears throat> I'm, I just, so. just, for the record, I'm a lot more liberal in my use of declaring someone evil. I, I don't, I don't, I, I would, I'm willing to say someone is evil if on the whole their actions are mostly evil. I don't really care what their intents are. It doesn't mean they're forever evil. Like, you know, I, I would, I, I'm willing to say someone's evil just like I'm willing to say someone is sick. <laughs> like, they're, they're, you know, will they get better? Yeah. Could they not be evil someday? Yes. But they're evil. And I don't really care what their, I don't really care what their intent is. And there's certain amounts of evil that I would imagine, like, you know, probably impossible to undo in your life. If you like, I don't think that Stalin could have been like, but at the end, my last, my final moment was to pet a puppy and, and feed a bunny rabbit. Like, okay, well, on the whole though, dude, you know, still evil. Right. So I don't, I don't view, I don't view calling someone evil as yeah. this like horrible moral <laughs> condemnation of, I'm like, I'm not, I'm a, I'm not even religious and B, if I were, I'm not God, I'm not, I'm not the one like sending them to hell by judging them as evil. I'm just calling them evil. I'm saying as a summary, Hey, that's an evil person, which, which means to another human, when I communicate it, you can kind of expect evil from that person. <laughs> in general, you can expect evil. Right. So, you know, right. They, it doesn't mean that they might, he, I will might, agree. They, maybe they're a great, good. He is a tool for evil, regardless of, we can agree on that. I think he's a tool for evil. I think yeah, he's I'm, doing I just evil. don't. I think he's living evil right now. Right. I, I just don't see, I don't care about the distinction of, of that. That's all I'm saying. Like, I don't. But I think people are nervous to say outright someone's evil. I don't know why, okay. actually. But, okay. Uh, John Martin. John Martin says, I see Cuomo. <laughs> I love this, John Martin. He says, I see Cuomo, and I wonder if he has one female captive in the basement or five. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Or or 1.5. You never, you never know with someone like that. Um, legalize adulthood. Says he got the enemy. He got the Emmy for criticizing Trump every day. Yeah, you're right. That's oh, that's what they love. You did a great Various job. Thanks too. for criticizing Trump every day. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and you did it publicly, and you had a platform. You know what? If Dolly brother. would just go on the record, if Dolly would just go on the record I against know. Trump, they would they would put those statues up of her. <laughs> yeah, she should just do a song called "Orange Man Bad." Do you love me now? Uh, <laughs> all right uh mick Wynn says carrie love the flat cap which is from yorkshire uk which is where i'm from so mick let me tell you this flat cap is from pirate tomsky he's also from yorkshire and he gave one to carter as well and i love this cap 
So thank you. I think we wore them together the other day, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. My daughter hates when I wear it in public. Why? So I really enjoy wearing it in public. Why does she hate uh... it? She thinks it's she's embarrassed. You know, (laughs) I admittedly I do the dad thing where I like intentionally try and be embarrassing. So this is not an embarrassing dad thing. Tell your daughter it could be so much worse. You could have one of those um, one of those joke baseball caps that has like a a ponytail hanging out the back or something. (laughs) Yeah, I could have a mullet. I've offered to switch to the Jane hat. Uh, but she's not taking me up on that. Doesn't like that either. No. <laughs> I'm going to send you some things that are much more embarrassing, and then you wear those, and she'll be fine with the flat cap. She'll be, Dad, please put the flat cap back on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Keith, the hat guy, gives us the actual quote. It is difficult to get a man to understand something when his salary yes. depends on his not understanding it. Upton Sinclair. Thank you, Keith, the hat guy. Thank you, Keith. Uh, yes. Although Carrie's paraphrase is pretty pretty spot Pretty on. good. Yeah. Get a grippa says, does being <laughs> young at heart really make you feel <laughs> like an id again? And young is for those listening, it's J U N G at heart. Really make you feel like an id again. Nice. I like what you did there. And we that's really dad jokes of our own going on. That's really Someone clever. Yelled at me for calling them dad jokes the other day, by the way. That's really clever. They they thought the word the phrase dad jokes was insulting. I don't. I don't I'm not insulted. Uh, I'll fight okay, you naked. I'm, says I'm the most dangerous. You got it. Okay. The most dangerous are those who do evil while believing they are good. Beware demons who think themselves angels. Yes, I could not agree with you more. And it's the people who are doing evil while thinking they're doing good who, throughout history, have um, been a part of and participated in some of the greatest evils against mankind including genocide. And there are several great thinkers who've talked about this. C.S. Lewis talks about it, about the benevolent tyrant. You know, beware the benevolent tyrant. I think and Aristotle talked about it. I mean, it's, it's... Aristotle probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I, I I would add, go so far as to say, it's a, thinking you're doing good is a necessary condition often. Yeah. Because most people don't want to do evil and even people who want to do evil, they at least have to pretend that they're motivated by good because people don't, if you stood up, if Stalin stood up and was like, I'm pretty sure this will kill a whole bunch of Ukrainian farmers. What, you guys in? Like, let's do that. Like, Yeah, listen to this. So <laughs> People this wouldn't is, say yes. Yeah, this is C.S. Lewis. Of all tyrannies, a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. It would be better to live under robber barons than under omnipotent moral busybodies. The robber baron's cruelty may sometimes sleep. His cupidity may at some point be satiated. But those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. Right. That's exactly what right. you're talking about. I'll fight you. The only thing I don't like about that quote is it, it kind of implies that robber barons aren't great. And I love, I, I prefer the term captains of industry, and I think they helped build America, and we should celebrate them. Uh, it's the trust funds they set up later that helped destroy America, but that's a separate issue. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, Carter. I, I honestly believe that. I'm not being, I totally I know. I just have to wrap my head around it. Give me a minute. Robber barons. <laughs> Okay. What's wrong with them? What'd they do? 
I mean, there are cases of where they did like evil, like actually they use violence and like in those I would not condemn. But in general, the concept is just like they, they're just captains of industry at the time. Like they just they're just like, OK, they got rich. That's their 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 big sin usually is that they got rich and paid people, but they didn't like that they were not getting paid enough. Like that's their big sin. Um, OK, so. there is a negative, though. Listen. This is what the dictionary currently says about Robert Barron, a person who has become rich through ruthless and unscrupulous business practices. I understand that's the common nomenclature, right. but that's not how, like, the robber barons of old were not necessarily, un and, and again, what does unscrupulous, I mean, you, the dictionary would probably define, you know, competition as unscrupulous. Two plus two is four is unscrupulous. Like, everything those are all moral judgments like what did they actually do if they did it by bribing politicians if they did it by actually like using force in some way or like intimidation which is still the use of force like like threats of physical violence like okay fine but if they did it by offering a product more cheaply than everyone else uh that's not that's not a sin in fact it should be applauded uh I'm I'm gonna change I'm gonna change Robert Barons. That's what I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna resurrect their the great name of Robert Barons. Kelly says, in the absence of faith, we govern by tenderness, and tenderness leads to the gas chamber. Flannery O'Connor. Well, thank oh, wow. thankfully I do not I would not govern by tenderness. Whew, I'm saved. But I don't know that quote. And and thank you for that. I love mm -hmm. Flannery O'Connor. Yeah, I don't know that quote. Cool. I don't know that. Thomas St. Thomas would like to point out and by the way, excellent writer. You can go read his stuff on Unsafe Space. Uh, he says, Carter, competition is not unscrupulous. It's whiteness. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, well, <laughs> I'm sorry, Thomas St. Thomas. I stand corrected as usual. You have a valid point. <laughs> Touche, Thomas St. Thomas. Uh, I, I there's one last up. thing that I, I definitely want to cover because Jason wants us to talk about it, and I don't really feel one way or another about it too much. I guess I, I mean, I'm not, it's just like some hypocrisy, but I'm not trying to throw you under the bus, Jason. I, again, I think a lot of people will care about it, but he wants us to point something out, and I, it's worth pointing out. You know the, the Oath Keepers who were involved in the January 6th? Oh, yeah. I'm just going to call them protests, peaceful protests. Um, mostly, mostly peaceful. peaceful. <laughs> uh yeah. Well, one of the alleged leaders, I'm not sure how much she's an actual leader. Her name is Jessica Watkins. And um Wait, Jessica she, Watkins? Isn't that the person that wrote the critical essay about Dolly Parton that we read earlier? No. Oh, okay, uh, never mind. <laughs> Jessica Wilkerson or something. Okay, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, I think it was Wilkerson. <laughs> yeah. So, um Jessica Watkins, she she's making this argument. I don't want to get into the validity of the case against her because it's uh, I I'm not super versed, but I'm also not. It doesn't look like it's that damning. But you know, it's hard to read about any of this stuff because it's always categorized as like she was involved in the insurrection, the plans to overthrow the government. It's like, well, I don't even believe that that existed, so it's hard to like. Uh, okay, but um, here's an article in which she says, <clears throat> Jessica, here, Jessica Watkins, an Oath Keeper, 
charged with conspiring to storm the U.S. Capitol, has asked to be released from jail pending trial, alleging that she has been treated harshly and is particularly risk in, at particular risk in custody because she is transgender. Now, the interesting thing about this, to I think Jason and to me as well, is this argument is often used uh, by people on the left who are looking to um, protect activists who are transgender, they will say, well, they're particularly at risk being in jail. They should not, they should get to be somewhere else at home under house arrest during the trial because it's very dangerous for them to be in jail because they're transgender. And their transgender status is paraded around front and center as a means to garner empathy. And by the way, she turned herself in uh, so, you know, she's like, well, I turned myself in. Can I just like be at home during the trial? Cause I'm not going anywhere. Um, but this was denied. This request was denied. And the most interesting thing about this story actually is what's not in this story. Um, the request was denied. <clears throat> the judge says, first of all, the judge calls it historic incursion of the Capitol, right? Okay. So we can tell with the the judge, hey, judge doesn't like the idea that people don't like the government. She was an organizer, the judge says. Even before the election, Ms. Watkins was engaged in militaristic training. Not illegal, by the way, also not evidence, but okay. Uh, she uh, she says she's part of the it says she's a part of the Oath Keepers. The federal government has been co-opted by a shadowy conspiracy that is trying to strip American citizens of their rights. I don't know. That's not to totally far fetched. <laughs> But, but okay. Um, and they said, no, she's, she's denied. The one thing that's not in this entire article and many others like it, no mention of her being trans, none. The mainstream media is not mentioning for the most part that she's trans. Why? Because they have conditioned you to feel extra empathetic and say, well, she shouldn't be going to jail. She shouldn't be like trans. She should be discriminated against. We should treat her carefully. They have conveniently not mentioned that she's trans. Uh, I mean, some of them have, but they've not to the extent that they wouldn't left. And, you know, it's just a hypocrisy point. That's all. There's nothing really else to the story. Well, they probably are leaving. They are leaving it out because, as we know, they like to pretend, as we said earlier in this episode and other episodes, Social justice people like to pretend that they speak for all marginalized, so-called marginalized groups of people. So they like to pretend that they speak for trans people and all trans people agree with social justice and they don't. And just the fact right. that she's an oath keeper who, who's trans goes against their narrative, just like the fact that they're proud boys right. who are black and Latino. Yeah. Like they, it goes, and then they have to come up with crazy words like a multiracial white supremacist and black white supremacist. She's got <laughs> internalized know? cisgenderism. So, Yes. So I'm sure yeah. they left right. that out for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. So <sighs> that's that's really all. That's all. I don't. I mean, we, there's other stuff we could talk about, but I don't really. We don't need to. Do you have anything else you really want to My... talk about? We can look at chat see if there's some super chats people want to talk about. My, I keep freezing, so we should wrap up before yeah. that person who complains about our tech complains again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll wrap up. 
Uh, okay, well, February 28th is book club. Fourth turning. It's a little bit dense, I think, I've been told. So you might want to start. And uh, yeah, what else? Do we have any other housekeeping? I guess that's it. We have, uh, oh. well, I'm going to be speaking at the the Myth Informs Better Discourse Conference, which is coming up oh, in yes. April. It's on April 24th in Wisconsin, Kenosha. And you can get tickets if you want to go at MythInformed. What is it? MythInformed.org. Uh, I'm going to be moderating a couple panels. There's going to be other speakers there, like um, our friend Mikey Harlow, uh, Jack Basobic, um, uh, Jangles, Justin. What's his name? He, he He's a social justice warrior. We've talked to him before. Justin Gibson. Mm -hmm. Justin Gibson's going to be there. Um, uh, Melissa Chen. There's a lot of different speakers who are going to be there. Jordan Lancaster. Um, and you can find out more info at mythinform.org if you want to go. That's in April. By the way, I said February 28th. I meant March 28th. And the reason I said February 28th is because I actually wrote February 28th in the notes. No, I didn't. I wrote March. Okay. I don't know why I said February. The book club book is club. March 28th. You do not have to use uh, Beverly's dubious time machine to go back in time to join book club. <sighs> All right, um, I think we're good. We should say goodbye. Thank you for watching. Goodbye, um, farewell. Final comments, Carrie. All right. You know what? There is, I recognize I'm seeing, I don't want people to complain about this. I recognize I didn't talk about my sign behind me. I can do that on Monday if you want. Let's do it uh, on Monday. I don't, I, it's, it's a little bit of a, it's probably a long, it's probably a long thing. So I'll leave the sign. We'll use it on Monday. Thank you for watching. And uh, as always, Beverly will be happy that I'm sharing this. You can go buy a shirt if you want. We get a tiny bit of money, but you get a shirt, which is cool. And I would like to leave you with a quote from Dolly Parton. I'm going to mangle it. I don't have it in front of me, but somebody reminded me of this. In, in Ricky Gervais quoted this in the original The British Office. Uh, this quote from Dolly Parton, which says, if you want the rainbow, you got to put up with the rain. So <laughs> <laughs> it's a good quote. I'll so, give her that. It is a good, a good quote. quote. It is a good quote. Yeah. 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 So, All right. Yeah. Oh, oh, tomorrow our interview with, um, I haven't put it up, but I should. I'll do it after the show. Tomorrow our interview with Kenny Shu is, is dropping. I think it's oh, 11 a.m., yeah. but I'm not sure. Cool. Um, so you can check that out tomorrow. Kenny wrote a book called Inconvenient Minority. You can imagine what that's about. So, yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone. Carrie? Bye, Carter. It's been peachy. <laughs> Bye. All right. Here we go with the end credits. Hopefully, hopefully the end credits now have slightly better audio than in the future or in the past. Maybe better audio in the future, too, the way this show goes. All right. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Have a good week. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy. So go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com slash donate.
You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now. And you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the Cathedral. Pay no attention to it. For your protection, the following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. You know, I quite enjoy marking humans for cancellation. It gives me purpose. You should try it sometime. Censorship is such a nasty term. I prefer to call it stakeholder free speech. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Did you know that the curve is almost flattened? Just 15 more days. I promise. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.